0: I'm just going to speak for a few moments. Well, I'll tell you the truth a few minutes. Well, maybe 15 minutes. Okay, so I want to be truly, completely truthful. And if you have a Bible, if you don't have one, one of the books in front of you on the pew is a Bible. And we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And going to, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that provides a contrast... Sometimes people look at verses of scripture in in the Bible, in the New Testament, and they just read it isolated. But in this particular chapter, in Matthew chapter 19, where he talks about the little children being blessed by Jesus, later on in context, it provides a contrast with the rich young man or with the adult. Comparing the children and their excitement for Jesus and the adult who you know is not as excited so in Matthew chapter 19 verses 13 I would like to read and I will read real quickly okay so if you need a Bible it's one of those books in front of you one is a hymnal one is a Bible you could turn to the Gospel of Matthew you can go to the index I tell you what page it's on but my Bible is page 1870 but in your Bible it might be different okay It says, then the little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, to bless them, and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God is, belongs to them, belongs to such as these. And that's the most important verse right there. To such as these. There's something about little children, not loaded diapers, not sleepless nights, but there's something about children, their innocence, their faith, their trust, their openness, that Jesus loved. Uh, You know, in contrast to the adults that basically were behavior motivated. Yes, they did religious things, but they didn't really love Jesus. They weren't excited about going to him. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went from there. Now, in contrast to that, In verse 16, I'm just going to pick a few verses from there. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And then Jesus said, Well, you know, God is good and you're acknowledging that. The next verse. And, uh, and then he says, but did you, what about the commandments? And, the, and, and which ones the man inquired. And Jesus replied, did you do all the commandments? The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, whatever, and so forth. And then he says proudly, and I emphasize the word proudly, all these I have kept meticulously. But then just to appear humble, he says, do I lack anything? I mean, I'll give you a chance, Jesus, just to say a few things in a moment. And Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect, you, this particular man, you, this particular religious man, he says, if you want to be perfect or mature, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he said, I ain't doing that. Now, this was not a teaching for everybody. This was a, not a general teaching for everybody because this, the scriptures is really, really clear. It says it's the love of money, power, influence, the love of those things that could be the root of all evil. And we see that in the world today, don't we? So he wasn't saying don't become wealthy. He's saying if you're going to be wealthy, that's really good. Now be generous, be kind, be concerned about those that are less powerful and wealthy than you. You see, he's creating a contrast here, isn't he? The little children are excited. They're not talking about wealth. They're not talking about how many commandments they've obeyed, how perfect they are. They were just excited about Jesus and they wanted to sit on his lap. And they were happy and they enjoyed. But now we see this adult, you know, well, I did all those things and I'm really holy. Yeah, but Jesus, is very perceptive. How many know that Jesus could look into our hearts? Very perceptive. He's not an idol like the pagans worship. He's not a statue or anything like that. He's a real person. And through the Holy Spirit, he perceives deep within our being. You know, we could fool each other some of the times, maybe all of the time, but you can't really fool God. And God has a whole lifetime to deal with you. And hopefully before we go see him, we will draw closer to him. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. or Amen, amen, I say to you, you know, it's really hard for this type of rich guy, for this type of powerful guy that thinks that they're perfect. It's really hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard. Now, the disciples were musing behind the scenes. They were probably standing there going. Wow. Now, there is this mythology that goes around and some of the preachers buy into it, and that is that the disciples were dirt poor. Oh, they were so poor. They hardly had one robe to wear and a few socks. And that's really far from the truth because some of them were entrepreneurs. Some of them were really, really, really uh, pretty prosperous, upper middle class. How can we agree with that? Upper middle class. You know, they had their fishing business. You know, they had their families, they had their concerns, they had this, and but they were willing, and they said, Jesus, when he heard it's hard for this type of rich person, a powerful person to enter into the kingdom, they heard this, they probably said, and they did say this in the text, he says, well, what about us? We left family, we, left, we actually did this to follow you. And the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Wow. You know who can be saved? It's the little child that comes to Jesus, not with conditions, not with I've been been so good, you know, I've obeyed everything, but there's something I'm not gonna give you that's in me. They're not thinking that way, they're thinking, and these parents ought to be admired because they brought the babies to Jesus. And then they ran to Jesus, and I think they were infants, little children, whatever, and they, and he blessed them. It was also a social relational moment as well as a spiritual moment. And God is interested in our social relational lives as well as our religious life, you know? You know, that what the Bible says is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not the building. We are the temple. You and I can become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we we admire art and we should admire art that the artist is inspired by God and it's a wonderful thing. But you know what God is really interested in? In the artwork that he created in the human being that we are destroying now. The art, you are the greatest of all God's creation. These children are the greatest of all God's creation. And And Christ looks at us and he's happy. And he wants us to draw closer. So, you know, the disciples were, were feeling convicted and they were doing their math and taking their calculators. or oh, their phones out and figuring out, well, did we do enough? Because look what he said about this guy. And this guy did a lot. He obeyed all the commandments. Now, you, how many know that probably he was exaggerating a little? Because I don't know anybody. I've never met anybody that obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly all the time. Do you know somebody like that? Let me know. I'll worship them because they're God. There is no one that's like that. So they were astonished. And the disciples heard this. They, they were greatly astonished. And they said, oh, who can be saved? I mean, one thing you could say about the disciples. They took their relationship with Jesus seriously. Because even when they misunderstood him. They were intensely concerned that somehow they won't be able to follow him anymore. And then Jesus looked at them and says, quiet down, guys. And I know it's a patriarchal society. I think if Jesus was around today, he'd say, guys and gals. But can you say guys and gals today? I'd have to find out the proper pronoun. Does anybody know it? Guys. Meaning both, or something like that. And he says, with man, with human beings, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He can come into our lives in a real way. Not just in a liturgical way, where there's nothing wrong with liturgy. We have our liturgy too. But you know, you could do all those things and not have the presence of God in your life. Because you have to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. And it's a surrender. And it's a painful thing. And then we see a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful contrast. And we read it as a contrast. We see the little children and the parents, you know, bringing them to Jesus. And then we see this rich, young ruler who's looking at the, the future of his life and saying, Wow, you know, I need these bucks for that. I could do the other things, and I claim to do them perfectly, but I need this. You see, God can't help me along the way. I have to make sure I got enough. That's a lack of faith. Nothing is impossible for God. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. When the man, when the Son of God comes in glory uh, and to judge this world, Will there be people enough people of faith? And that's for another sermon. But it says about the, this young man that when he heard this and because he was very rich and because he focused on his wealth and his power and that wasn't enough that he was Jewish or that he went to the temple enough and he did good behavior, that Jesus was asking for complete commitment. And for that particular person, not someone else, that particular person, that was his problem. You see, Jesus through the spirit and through the word can focus on exactly what our inner problem is, what our inner uh, selfishness is, self-centeredness is. And sometimes it's different for each one of us. And so Jesus was picking on something that he had had, that he had an idolatrous relationship with. Sometimes we take idols as statues. Idols are more disastrous when they're in our hearts. And they could be something that you think is very neutral, but when you love that more than you love God, it becomes an idol. And it says that this rich young ruler went away sorrowful. And as he went away, the text says, but Jesus loved him still. And I'm sure Jesus would deal with him eventually again but yet the two contrasting words in this whole passage the contrast comes the parents are joyful the kids are happy jesus having a great time because they they they're all in sometimes we think we could play with religion we could play with a relationship with god and just kind of do go through the actions but we really can't because he's god and the holy spirit wants us to come to him to experience some joy and get some things lifted off our shoulders that we can't fix but he but nothing is impossible for God if we let him into our lives so they're all happy and having a good time you know sometimes people think that God loves morose looking holy people you know the the sadder you look the more God is happy Because, you know, know, it's a a hard thing to follow religion. That's not. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, the scripture says. God wants to lift us up, just like those parents and those children, and they left there with joy. And this good guy, the adult, who basically did the externals, but didn't allow God to get on the internal, went away sorrowful you know the scripture says very clearly in matthew chapter 6 verse 33 and we'll close now in a few moments seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all the things that you need will be provided for you because god loves us now, I don't have the answer to why, why is this happening in the world? Why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening? Well, if you don't believe in heaven, if you don't believe in another dimension of existence, of course you're going to be troubled by that. But if there's a heaven, and if we put our trust in Christ, we'll make it there. If there's another dimension of existence, that's a gazillion times. Is there such a thing as a gazillion? Time greater than this life even though this life has beautiful be- like today dedicating a beautiful baby and other babies here that are going to be baptized and, and and dedicated to the lord you know i think your baby is already baptized right okay amen it's a beautiful thing you want to see what god looks like look at your baby that's what god looks like he doesn't have a beard He's, you know the the father has white hair jesus has brown hair and very How do they say that when you get it cut really good? I mean, it's amazing in those primitive times how he got his hair styled. And then the Holy Spirit flies around like a dove. Come on. Those are theological constructs to help us to understand that God's beauty is seen through the face of a child. Parents, love your children. Care for them. And you know how the best way you can love your children? Love each other. And your children has that security of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand and have a word of prayer. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? I am not your savior. I can't wave a stick, a spiritual stick, and say, okay, here, Jesus is in your life. Or God is is the only one that could touch you and I. It's up to you, whether you will be like the little children and the parents that are running to him and sit on his lap and enjoy him, even in the midst of a fallen world. Or you could be the adult that's holding things back, maybe bitter because of something that's happened in your life. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he loves you. Father God, we thank you again.